So today we are joined by Emma Jones, founder of Enterprise Nation. Emma, thank you so much for making time to be here. I just know how busy you are as a person, as a founder. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sonia. So yes, it's been a busy time. I know it's been a busy time for a lot of people, but the beauty actually, one of the nice things at the moment is you don't have to travel to do anything like this. So uh, lovely to be here in this virtual way with you. It's great though, isn't it? Though Before we get into you yourself, your business, I just want to pick up on that point. You don't have to travel to get anywhere. 100% agree with that sentiment. But I found myself filling up that travel time with extra meetings, which wouldn't have normally happened. So I don't know if you feel the same, but I, I feel like I've lost hours, not gained them. So it's really interesting. I do think there has been a tendency to do that the more that we've got into lockdown. So I think at the beginning of lockdown, everyone was so shocked by what was happening in the first place that everyone just kind of thought, oh, how do I do the work I was doing and now do it in a different place? And uh, I mean, at Enterprise Nation, we've kind of worked solidly hard because we were very quickly having to respond to what businesses needed. But you're right. I think what people have now done is almost just acclimatized and they've taken what was their physical world and just put it into the virtual world. And so I, I possibly could say that there's maybe kind of one meeting a day that I do kind of sit and think, was this really necessary? Um, but I have to say overall, and um, I always, Sonia, try and look for the kind of highlights, the good point, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, what can we take as a good thing from this? And I have to say, overall, I think people have become much more productive because you haven't got that commute time. Um, you know, I just think uh, sort of more work is getting done, but hopefully more work is getting done and it's still freeing up time for people to walk in the park, homeschool their kids, etc. So I'd like to think that the UK does look back on this as a time where productivity was on the rise. And I definitely think there is a silver lining. I personally think this is a great time for us to look within, uh, analyze and, and really think about what truly drives us. I found myself prior to this, so I don't live inside of London and it cost me about £20 a day to get into London. But I would go four times a week just thinking that's how you meet people, that's how you do business. And now I've probably connected with you know, so many more people than I have online than I would have in person, but also things have been, they've moved faster. And so... There's a part of me that thinks, not only as a founder, but as somebody who used to work in corporate, I think, why were we not efficient? I remember when I worked in consultancy, they'd asked me to go from uh, my house, so, you know, kind of an hour and a half into London, and then back out three hours, so kind of four hours of traveling to Bri Bristol just for an hour's meeting. Because apparently that's what the client expected. Yeah. it's And, and I agree with you. Um I know I just said I always try and look for the bright things. I think there's been a couple of down things of people not traveling and therefore not meeting new people. One of which is um, when it comes to kind of big organizations making purchases. So I know this is quite a niche point, but I was speaking with someone in government the other day. Um, government pre-coronavirus had a really big agenda to buy lots more stuff from small mm -hmm. companies. So whether it was technology, 
uniforms, garden landscaping, whatever it was, government said, let's buy more from small firms. And I spoke to someone the other day in government who's got good knowledge of this. And I said, how are you finding procurement with small firms at the moment? And he said, now is not the time to be looking for new suppliers. And and that's the thing. You know, if you're a big organization like government and you need to buy something, your first line that you've gone to now is who do we know? Who have we been dealing with for years? And because there's just no capacity to get to know new suppliers in a way. I think consumers have been different. Consumers have been buying from Mm -hmm. places across the web throughout this whole period. But I think if you're a small business owner in the business of selling to bigger organizations, this has maybe been a little bit of a tough time just because you can't connect with new people at the moment. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to having kind of come back is that physical interaction where you can get out and hopefully expand your network but to do it in an efficient way 100 percent. as somebody who is a new business owner and who's only founded her business full-time let's say for the last six months I've had two opportunities declined they're bidding for them purely because they've come back and said do you know we we really like you and you're perfect if the times were different we would have taken you but we just don't have the capacity to get to know a new supplier. Yeah. So we're going to go with an old one. Uh, and, you know, I guess two two points to that is, one, yes, you should definitely always try. I think trying is great. But two, it's, it's sometimes it's a little bit disheartening to go through that process. And the feedback is not on you. So you can't take it personally. It's just the times. And I know that, you know, small businesses especially, and we'll, we'll get into kind of what you do because obviously you are – uh, you're a champ of small business anyway. Small businesses have really had to self-reflect and and pivot. I absolutely don't like the word pivot anymore anyway. I've d- I'm just tired of it. But I don't know. I don't know another word. But pivot online, and then some businesses I've seen diversify their their offering, and some I've seen come into a more of a niche. So for for example, myself, I've come into more of a niche. I'm like, this is what I do, and this is what I'm good at. And then that's really where I can drive the new business. Otherwise, sending out 10 different product new business emails a day is really difficult. But sending out three and being really good at it, I have found has really uh, rewarded me. So swiftly coming in to, you know, I've we, we've spoken about small businesses. You seem to know quite a lot. You've already said you've got contacts in the government. For those who don't know who you are or what you do, please do give a an introduction as big or small as you as you wish and also just you know let's let, let's do a little bit moment of a check-in um how are you doing otherwise as a business owner who supports other businesses um so maybe if I do the intro first and then I'll come mm. back to uh, how this is all feeling for us as a company but me as an individual uh, so yes our job is to support small businesses we've been doing it for a very long time so over 10 years um, and the way in which we support small businesses is pre-march we did host lots of physical events so we used to run 300 events across the country uh, we we pivoted I know you don't like that word Sonia but as you say for the sake of not finding another mm. one 
We pivoted very quickly, so all those events are now online. Um, and we've also got a very strong um, online platform that hopefully connects small businesses to each other, to content, to advisors, so that they can get the answers that they're looking for. Um, so by view of that being our world, then yes, it's been an incredible kind of three months. And I think the first thing when lockdown first happened, and we're a team of 30 people, who are all, the one thing I'd love to say about everyone who works at Enterprise Nation is their passion and their heart is focused on making life easier for small businesses. So of course, when lockdown first happened and we just had thousands of small businesses, we've, we've supported over 150,000 small businesses since the 1st of March. And when all of these businesses are coming onto your platform and they're saying, I think I'm gonna have to close, I'm gonna have to lay people off, where do I get money from? Am I eligible for this government support scheme? What does this mean just for the future of my life if I don't have a business? That's a really sobering moment for a company that delivers business support. But in a way, we didn't have too much time to kind of think and ponder. We just had to very quickly get into react mode. So we set up a coronavirus support hub. All of the team have been absolutely amazing. And this, this has been a huge learning for me is um, how you can have a team all working from spare rooms, attics, bedrooms, garden sheds, and still come together and support small businesses has just been, again, very sobering for me to kind of watch as the person who runs the business. So the team went into massive kind of react mode. We've supported loads of businesses. The team have been really motivated as well because of that. So I know some employees have found it kind of really hard because just every day feels like a work day. But there's one thing I'd love to think that we've tried to maintain in the business, which is this sense of almost this is why we exist. We exist to support small businesses. They desperately need our help at this time. And that's kind of galvanized the team. So in a way up until now, the team haven't needed to physically be close to each other. I actually do think that is starting to change though now. So I think... You know, the team have had three months at home, even though, interestingly, I went into our office on Monday <laughs> and we had team stand up on Monday. And I was like, right, guys, I'm back in the office. This is all that we're going to do to make it safe for you to come back. And I was met with this deafening silence. So I'm still not quite sure people are quite ready to head into an office. But, yeah, it's just been um, you know, a time that we will never forget when businesses needed that support. And hopefully we've kind of risen to that challenge. And we've still got lots more to do. We're announcing a couple of programs next week. So the team is still kind of super busy in doing that. But hopefully, we've helped people stay in business on the back of it. Yeah, one of the things that you picked up on, and it's the tiniest thing that you've said that I picked up on. And it's very much because as a new business owner and so running the LMF network I am out there trying to build partnerships and a brand sponsorship and really just collaborate with others and what I realized is and it was similar I spoke to Vanessa who runs We Are The City as you said you've been around for about 10 years and so today you are at this position after 10 years but the, the beginning must have been really difficult and for some reason regardless as I'm a new business owner or an old business owner you can't help but compare and be like oh I'm here today but look at this business they're getting the partnerships they're getting the income they're getting the brands what do I have to do and I guess my point being is throughout this actual podcast that I've been hosting the one thing I've really learned is not to compare your journey with someone else's like it's beautiful but 
everyone so far has made that similar statement. Um, but kind of going into a question is, how did you actually start? Uh, and and I want to know, you know, the, the deepest, darkest, miserable times, to be honest. Like, how, how did you start? Why did you start? And most importantly, did you ever think that you were going to be here where you are today? Uh, wow, lots of questions all at once. Um, and first of all, by the way, the kind of you're starting out, we're 10 years in. How did we get uh, to a point of the partnerships and what have you is, um, and it's the one thing I say to kind of founders who are at the early stage of starting is loads and loads of hard work and hustling is required. Um, and I do just as a, a one thing on this for your listeners is I do sometimes think that people who are starting a business think this is going to be an overnight success. I've got a new tech idea. It's going to take on the world. And in a couple of years, I'm going to sell out and make a fortune. But um, even Mark Zuckerberg will tell you it takes a long time to build a really strong, sustainable business. So uh, definitely kind of worth doing, but it takes a while. Um, so I started um, Enterprise Nation is my second business. I started my first company when I was 27. Um, it was a dot-com company called Teclicate.com. And um, that was an incredible experience because I started that with a, a co-founder. And essentially what that business did is it helped inward investors coming into the UK decide where to go because that was kind of my background. So I started that business and um, two years into that company, we were acquired by a bigger business. So we had a big company come to us and say, we'd like to acquire you. So I did have the kind of good fortune of having started, grown and then sold a business within a two year time period. And therefore, I learned a huge amount kind of really quickly. So kind of all of those learnings were then put into starting Enterprise Nation. Um, and when I started out, it was me in my spare room because I'm a sole founder in this business. My co-founder from my first business didn't come with me. So I started this one on my own. And as lots of startup founders do, you're sitting in your spare room with your laptop with an idea and you kind of think, right, how am I going to turn this into something? And, uh, you know, year by year, you just keep building. And I was actually saying to my team, um, I moved home a couple of weeks ago. And I said to the team, you know, it's only when you move home that you unpack things and literally kind of sheets from five years ago that I literally have in front of me where we were setting out, this is what we want to be. And still today, we're talking about that same kind of vision. So just to kind of answer the question around the low moments, uh, there are so many low moments. There are days when you don't win the partnership or the client. There are days when all of a sudden when you've got a team and one of those teams says they're leaving or one of the teams says they're not happy with somebody else. Um, there's days when a client says we're not very happy with what you're delivering. So there's loads and loads of low days. And uh, the only thing that you can do to get up the next day and keep on giving it your best is to remember why you did it in the first place. So, you know, looking back on these old papers where we've always said, we want to be the UK's most trusted business support community. Uh, we still have that vision day in, day out. It's taken us a long time to build. We're still very much building. And that is the thing that has to keep you going because, yeah, low days, low moments, there's a whole load of them. And so you have to just kind of stay rooted in why you did it in the first place. And if you still feel a strong conviction for why you did it in the first place, you'll find the reason to get up again and keep going. I love that. It's, it's extremely inspirational. Yeah, I apologize um, in advance for the amount of questions I ask. I'm an extremely curious person, but also I just 
um, I just find myself getting really passionate and have a lot of energy in things. And it just comes across. I'm like, I just want to know everything so I can write it down and use it later. One of the things which um, actually was quite interesting that you said, well, two things, but we'll unpack the first is you, you said your co-founder and your first business didn't come along. Was that a conscious choice or was it just, uh, you know, fr- from listening to that, I can assume that maybe the vision didn't meet or you kind of wanted to go your separate ways um, or maybe you just bet you were better being friends. And that's that's because I when we started LMF Network, I had a co-founder as well. And she is absolutely one of my closest friends. But we realized that we don't work really well as business partners and that our vision right now is in two different places. So the best way that she can support me, she does support me, is by being my biggest cheerleader and being being an advisor rather than doing the day in, day out. So I was just wondering, maybe, is it a similar story? Uh, Slightly different. So um, he was a great co-founder. His name is Adam Breeze. Uh, And as I say, we had a great experience starting the first business. And when we sold that first business, um, we did what's called a lock-in clause. So we were bought by a company called Tenon. And the lock-in clause was that both Adam and I had to stay as an employee of Tenon for 18 months. So during that 18 months, I essentially spent that time. Well, I mean, I worked for Tenon. I did my job, but I spent my spare time thinking, what next? And what business can I start next? And every time I kind of came up with something, I would take it to Adam and say, this is what we can do next. And we were based in Manchester at the time, which is where I started both businesses, Teclicate and Enterprise Nation were launched in Manchester. And I will always remember, we used to go to the same place and I'd pitch him, essentially. I'd pitch him these ideas. And every time I pitched, he was like, no, I don't like it. It's not going to work. And I think we just got to a point where I was like, maybe he's not feeling the passion for it. And actually what's happened is he's stayed in the world of inward investment. So the kind of basis on which we started our first company. But I think my passion was always in entrepreneurship. So how can we help small businesses? He didn't feel that passion. And therefore I was like, right, I just have to go and do my own thing. The one thing I will say though, um, and I have to be careful in saying this because I don't want to put anyone off starting a business. Uh, But I do think starting and growing a business with other founders is an awful lot easier than doing it on your own. And just as, um, and as you say, Sonia, you should never compare, but I only ever remember feeling jealous once when I interviewed an entrepreneur. And it's a brilliant man who's one of the three co-founders of a business called Eat Natural. So they make these lovely healthy bars. Mm. And I interviewed him at an event we ran probably about a year ago. And in the interview, I was like, I am so jealous of how he runs his business because he said, I said, oh, you know, you're one of three founders. How does that work? And he said, well, actually, it works really well. He said, I focus on the business development. So he said, I go out and get all the new customers. One of my co-founders focuses on production. So he makes sure that the product is as good as it can be. And then the third co-founder focuses on the finances. So have we got enough money coming in? Are we paying our suppliers on time? 
And as he said this, I was like, I'm so jealous because essentially each of those founders just focuses on their mm -hmm. spot of what they do. But of course, if you're a sole founder, you have to do all of those things and you're constantly weighing up those three things, which is the product, the sales, and then making sure that the admin's done. So as a sole founder, there's definitely a lot more on your shoulders, but then I guess you could say the upside is then you have the full equity. So you're kind of not sharing the equity in the business with others. So for anyone listening in, I'd say if you can do try and find a co-founder and try and find someone who's very different but complementary to you, um, because it can be just that little bit tougher if it's kind of you doing it on your own. And as you've done it on your own, and obviously you've grown into such a successful business where you now have employees and, and colleagues and, you know, partnerships, how do you switch off? Um, I think this is something that we cover in nearly every podcast or with every founder or leader is how do you actually switch off? How do you, how do you take a step back from what you're doing? Um, I went on, went to an event uh, before lockdown, I think it was around January, and Pip Jolly, the founder of The Dots, was saying that someone asked her this in the panel, and she said, you know what, on Sunday, I completely turned my phone off. And she's like, one day without my phone, it's not going to do anything, but I just don't look at my phone. And taking that advice, I can't turn my phone off, I'm not going to lie, it's really difficult. But I do try on a Saturday to have a few hours where I'm just not around my phone or technology, but that's the most I can do. Do, do you have any advice, any tips? Yeah, I'm not the best person to ask of this question. And um, just to explain, I'm, there are times, so I, I run and um, I quite often joke that the only time I'm not thinking about the business is when I'm running. And that's just because I'm trying to think about how I take my next breath. Um, but I have to say, um, I have no kids, no relationship. I have work. And okay. people could say, oh, wow, that's crazy. You know, all you do is work. But um, I once remember reading an article, uh, the FT magazine always used to do in the back page, they did this brilliant feature, they don't do it anymore. And it was called how I spend it. And it used to, it followed someone and what their perfect weekend was. And I would read it every week. And most weeks, it was, you know, the person goes to the flower market, they buy flowers, then they buy lovely pastries, then they have a lovely breakfast with their family, and then their friends come round. So it always used to be that. And I always used to think, wow, I just don't do any of that. Anyway, this one weekend, there was a, a guy who is an entrepreneur and he essentially kind of wrote and he said, I work weekends because my work is my hobby. And as I read it, I was like, that is how I feel. So rather than switch off, so I, I wouldn't say I switch off because work is my hobby and therefore I enjoy doing it. So I do not mind working on a weekend. However, there's a very distinct um, sort of difference is what I do do though is, and you have to do this as a founder, is um, at times I make a conscious decision to step out of the business to do what I call is work on the business and not in it. And so pre-corona, what I would do is travel once a quarter out of the UK, because um, if you go out of the UK, people who are sitting around you aren't speaking English. So you're kind of not eavesdropping on conversations. And I would try and find a place with like a big view. So looking out over the sea or looking out over a big city. And I would just check in with, are we on the right path? Are we still going towards the plan? You know, what is a state of friction in the business? What's good? 
uh, I would read. And as you say, kind of, you should never compare your journey. But if you can see here, um, oh, I know your your listeners won't be able to see that. It's just books and books and books. <laughs> but actually, I had a drink, a Zoom drink with a journalist last night, and we were comparing books because all of the books pretty much that are on this shelf are around the stories of entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. that kind of each quarter when I go away. So the recent one I read um, was called The Everything Store, which is how Jeff Bezos has built Amazon. Brilliant book. Um, and so what I do do is that is every quarter move away literally, physically, Uh, check in with how the business is doing and kind of have this aim to work on it rather than in it. So that's not shutting off, but it is just kind of checking in, you know, are we doing the right thing? But yeah, work-life balance, as I say, I'm not the best person to comment on it, but that is just because I love doing what I'm doing. And it's the advice I give to anyone who's thinking of starting a business is base a business on doing what you love because then when you spend all the hours that it's going to need, it doesn't really feel like hard work because you're spending it on doing something that you like. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm probably going to use that as your like Instagrammable quote, to be honest. (laughs) I always, I always ask, you know, uh, social media is so important. Social media is so, um, it's necessary, I think at the moment to build your business. So the quotes that we use and, and the words of advice, being, online and now having to move your business online going through this time of transformation let's say how important has technology and has social media or be or social presence been in your in building your brand have you seen a difference since you've come online yeah huge and um and actually for this it's not necessarily an enterprise nation story it's what we see mm. with our small businesses is that um, when throughout coronavirus, when businesses had kind of said, right, I've got the money that I need. So whether they've got their cash grants, they've got their sort of government support money, we then kind of said to our community, right, if you're now looking to trade, what kind of content, what kind of support do you need? And overwhelmingly, the majority of our businesses said, teach me how to do more online. Show me how to build a website. Show me how to have a better social media presence. Show me how I can productize my knowledge and start to sell it across the world using powerful marketplaces. And so, um, and again, I was speaking to somebody about this earlier today. Government is kind of delighted about this because when you look at organizations such as government, they try and nudge their citizens and small businesses to do certain things that they know are good for us. And one of the things that government has desperately tried to get small businesses to do over the past kind of 10 years is do more online, is to be Mm -hmm. more digital, uh, you know, embrace things like cloud accounting software. Government has been desperate to try and encourage 6 million small businesses to do this. And in the past three months, six million small businesses have pretty much kind of taken to this. So social has been huge. Um, You know, it's I don't think it's any surprise that during the time of lockdown was the time that Facebook used to announce that it was uh, launching Facebook shops because millions of businesses who've got a profile on Facebook and Instagram immediately were saying, how do I now commercialize the relationships Mm -hmm. that I'm building online? So it's, um, you know, it used to be a bit naff to say that every small business that starts should be digital. Now it's just imperative to say it because regardless of what you deliver, whether it be a service or a product, you have to have an online presence to connect with customers and be seen. So it's been, and, and actually this is the interesting thing, is when I first started Enterprise Nation, and actually, 
Oh, it is here. In fact, let me... Um, I was going to say, I didn't think I had a copy, but when I very first started the business, I wrote this book called Spare Room Startup. Amazing. So this was written, I think it was 2008. Mm. Um, and what is absolutely incredible is uh, 2008, this was published. There is no reference in this book to Twitter, Instagram or Facebook mm. because they yeah. don't exist. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, 2012 years ago as was starting a business was straightforward but now starting a business when you can have you know a low or no cost technology to help you do it it's hugely enabled entrepreneurship beyond comparison so yeah small businesses that are embracing anything that's online are doing really well I agree so much so we were already uh, through the LMF network we were already hosting virtual events but only once a month everything went online half of my income was gone in March because mm. they went, my clients weren't able to transition online as fast. April had no income, so we'd bit, we worked on building community. We did 21 webinars through our network, had nearly 1,000 sign-ups, literally increased our social following online by 50%, and in three months by 100%. But it's so important. And more than that, what we realized is, and this is a question I'd like to come on to is, more importantly, what we realized is not everybody has the skills that they need to be online, like the digital skills. So my LinkedIn workshops that I do have never been more successful because everybody wants to understand how to go on LinkedIn. And so my question is now having successfully started two businesses, now running a very successful business for, uh, a business for small businesses, what do you think we can be doing and we should be doing to upskill the leaders of tomorrow? And I'm talking about young people who want to get into business and especially those who identify as women or, or gender fluid or kind of um, non-binary it's 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 how can we encourage them how can we upskill them to get into the world of business because there's so many more like you said skills that they now need that they you didn't need before yeah well the the biggest thing that young people have got on their side is technology awareness and adaptability. So this is um, one thing where, and we used to run a campaign called NextGen, which was all around helping young people start businesses. We're bringing it back actually in September because we're seeing so many young people now either they don't have classes at college because college isn't happening. They're kind of looking around saying, what am I going to do for the whole of the summer? Because I've got nothing to do self-employment could be the thing that they start so the one thing that young people almost don't need training in is the digital side however there is then the education on the other bits of business and um you know we always try and uh, keep business kind of basics uh, enterprise nation in terms of we don't want to ever overcomplicate business because if you overcomplicate business people won't try it um, and so the thing that I think young people really want to feel that they need is confidence. So how can somebody give them the confidence that they've got the abilities to get going? That's quite um, a difficult thing to teach. That's kind of more something to cultivate. However, then there are things like the accounting basics of when you start a business, make sure you're selling more. So more money is coming in than is going out. And um if you look at the number one reason why businesses fail in the UK, that is the reason why they fail, because the business owner just spent more than they were actually making. And I know it sounds really simple, but businesses can be that simple. And it's, you know, it differs depending on when the volumes go up, but otherwise it's still the same. Enterprise Nation still today has to make more than its costs going out. So it's more in that kind of education where I think 
young people are saying to us, look, I know how to use technology. I'm a whiz on Instagram, but have I got what it takes to start a business? What are the business basics I need to know? How do I pitch? So, you know, how do I pitch to a client? How do I find a client in the first place? How do I price my product to know that I'm going to make some money at the end of it? And then, of course, once you've got a client, how do I maintain that relationship to ensure that that client keeps on coming back to me? So it's more um, the maturing of the business journey, I think, that young people particularly are saying, that's where I want some training skills and education. Thank you for listening to Strategically Winging It. My name is Sonia Barlow. I'm the host of this podcast and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. If you'd like this show, please do subscribe, like and share. If you'd like to be on the podcast, just drop us a direct message on our Twitter or Instagram, which is at Sonia Barlow UK.